Good morning, Center Bay Church, and happy December. I'm Tara, and I'm so thankful to be gathering with you online this morning. Welcome to all of you watching or listening. Whether you're on the Sunday morning live platform or watching or listening to this later on in the week, we're so glad you're choosing to spend time with us. If you're joining us for the very first time, a very special welcome to you. We are a mobile church and we do not have a space of our own to gather. And so we know in this season, it may be difficult to visit us, but we trust that even online, you feel at home here. In hopes of making your first visit a little easier, I'm gonna run through some information we share every single week that we trust will help you, our guests, and everyone else know a little bit about what to expect as we gather. If you're gathered live on Sunday morning, check out the tabs on the online platform. You can share or update your information, give, take next steps, find previous messages, and share this message. You can also ask questions or request prayer right on the live platform, and one of our hosts will answer you privately in a separate chat. If you're watching or listening to this message later, you can do those things through our website. If you need prayer throughout the week, have questions, ideas, or feedback, we'd love to help in any way we can. Please don't hesitate to reach out. Email us at connect at centerwaychurch.com. Our website has information and resources to help you. Everything from resources to go along with the message, devotions, and a kid's message. Our kids learn from the exact same scripture text that we do. So discussing it as a family is a great way to grow. There are two main places on our website to find those resources, the messages page and the next steps page. We wanna thank you for your giving to One Day to Feed the World last Sunday. We love partnering with Convoy of Hope throughout the year. If you'd still like to give, that specific dropdown will remain available the rest of this week. Check out tomorrow's devotional video for a unique Advent focus and other ways to give. You can sign up for those on the next steps page. One last thing to note for our Centerway stewards. We will be holding a special meeting on Sunday, December 13th at 7 p.m. via Zoom. You should have received an email about that. If you haven't, please contact us. Now here's what to expect today. Lily will be reading the scripture text for us. Eric will be communicating from the Bible, and then you'll hear some ways to respond in worship. Immediately after the message, you can join us on Instagram or Facebook Live as a way to respond through song. Now here's Lily, one of our Centerway students, with the text for today. Hello Centerway, my name is Lily and I'm a student here at Centerway. Today I'll be reading the scripture and you can find that in Mark chapter 4 verses 35 through 41, which says, On that day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Good morning, Centerway, and happy December. My name is Eric, and I'm part of the team here at Centerway. 
And we're continuing our series this week uh, in a series called Disrupted. Um, we've been working through the Gospel of Mark, now specifically a section of Mark in which Jesus um, kind of defies expectations and challenges people's notion of what really matters the most. And this week, as you just heard, we're going to be looking at a passage in which Jesus calms a storm that he and his disciples are caught up in. Uh, now, if you're experiencing anything like my family and I are experiencing, this is really timely text to break down. Uh, it seems as though the holidays can be an incredibly enjoyable and exciting time or an incredibly painful time uh, without much middle ground there. Uh, the reality is that everyone during this, this season is going through something. And as you look out on other people's lives, you might think, I can't believe that they're not experiencing the same thing that I am. You know, every one of your Instagram friends are uh, celebrating all of their decorations and they're using just the right filter. Uh, meanwhile, you're kind of struggling to come up with the energy to have a meaningful conversation with somebody. Uh, you know, the holidays, they tend to highlight our pain. You know, they don't hide that or mask that. They tend to highlight it. We feel the storm that we're about to talk about very intensely around Christmas. So when Jesus calms the storm in our passage today, we kind of lean in, hoping to figure out what the secret is to the calm. I'll never forget uh, the first Christmas that I spent as a married guy uh, with my wife, Deidre. Uh, we had just moved into a house in Oswego, New York. I was a youth pastor and uh, Deidre was going to school. And uh, I had all these dreams about giving her the perfect first Christmas as a married couple. Uh, I was gonna get certain gifts for her. We we're gonna get the right kind of tree. Uh, and for whatever reason, all of those things just weren't happening. I know the reason why they weren't happening. I was broke, <laughs> broke as a joke. And uh, I remember thinking, well, I wanna get her this, but I can only afford that. Uh, a 12 foot tree would be amazing, but our house is literally 500 square feet. So uh, can't do that. Uh, and I, it all just came to a head one moment as we were driving home from somewhere. I was driving, my wife was in the passenger seat and uh, she said, what's wrong? And I just broke down as I was driving. I'm not gonna be able to afford any presents this year. I'm not gonna provide you the Christmas that you deserve. And I was sobbing behind the wheel. So much so that we were veering off the road and Deidre had to calm me down and also grab the wheel herself and kind of steer us to safety in that moment. I don't know what happened. I just kind of snapped. I don't know if it was the holidays. It was just a hard time that I was experiencing. Um, now, we laugh, Deidre and I, at that situation because the reality was that the hardest thing I ever went through in my life, up through my 23rd year of living, uh, was not having enough presents <laughs> under a tree. Obviously, it was before I had kids, uh, before I had seen some things in my own life. Uh, and I have a feeling that I'm not alone when it comes to kind of acting weird in hard times. Uh, I bet it's a universal experience that occasionally the storms that we face cause us to act completely different than we typically would act. I wanna start our time together with a question that I think will introduce our story really well. The question goes like this, why do we let hard times make us cynical? Why? Why do we let hard times make us cynical? I think there's a hard truth to kind of be understood in this moment. Sometimes it's a, uh, an interesting quip, a funny response, but I think there's a very uh, intrinsically serious answer to this question. 
And I think it's because we don't have enough faith that God understands or cares about our situation. You know, we get cynical due to hard times because uh, we think God missed the point. You know, he missed the mark. He didn't show up. He doesn't really understand what I'm experiencing. And uh, in those situations, it's like we are the experts of our lives and we want to dictate to God what he should do to steer us clear of the storms that we're enduring. Uh, So we treat God kind of the way that I treat electricity when I come home uh, at night. You know, I walk into a room to flip a light switch and a light turns on, or so I expect. I push a button on a microwave and I get warm food all of a sudden. Uh, You know, it's one of those things where I don't think about how for about, you know, thousands of years, uh, people were dreaming about the luxuries that I'm experiencing right now until... (laughs) until the power goes out. Then I still try to do all those things because I'm a creature of habit and because they're so automatic, uh, but I don't get the results that I wanna get and I am furious. I get so upset, I don't know if you do uh, the same thing. Uh, I treat God that way sometimes, you know? I just kind of assume that he's gonna show up for me, uh, that I'm gonna go through life smooth sailing, not really worrying about the things that uh, I, I wanna worry about, because God's gonna take care of it for me. He's there, he knows what I'm experiencing. And uh, when he doesn't, I get a little bit cynical. I demand that he works for me. And when he doesn't, I get a little bit angry, uh, even doubtful that he loves me the way that he claims to. So if you've experienced anything even remotely similar to this, this text is for you today. There's lots of emotion connected to it, lots of emotion connected to our hard times even. Our hard times make us weary. They make us fearful. They make us angry. All of those things wage war against faith in Christ. Faith that God is who he says he is and that he'll do what he says he's going to do. Now, this section of scripture is great because it recounts a ton of relatable, raw emotion uh, that the disciples are experiencing as they go through this storm. So, let's jump right in. Look at verses 35 through 37 together. They say this, on that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. Now, if you weren't able to catch uh, the message last week or even the week before, Jesus has been teaching beside the Sea of Galilee. He actually was standing in a boat while he was teaching uh, on the water because there was such a large crowd of people. Now, after his teaching, Jesus wanted to go from the west bank of the Sea of Galilee to the east side, uh, which is when this storm suddenly kicked up. Jesus and I have a lot in common. Uh, Probably the most important is that we can sleep anywhere. (laughs) You give me a rock, I don't even need like a blanket or anything and I can fall asleep. And Jesus in the midst of this storm is laying on a cushion in this wavy rocking boat. This is the only time uh, in the gospels that we see Jesus actually sleeping. So it's pretty interesting. Now, the Sea of Galilee is actually this, this low water basin with sweeping mountain ranges that directly surrounding the shores. So the terrain was perfect for terrible storms to just kind of pop up out of nowhere from time to time. And remember who Jesus called to be his disciples. At least four of these men were avid fishermen who uh, made a living patrolling these waters. They knew the Sea of Galilee like the back of their hands, so to speak. 
Uh, and so they'd seen storms like this, no doubt, uh, before kind of creep up, and they probably even had firsthand knowledge of how destructive and deadly these storms could be, which I think is why verse 38 is as relatable to us as it is. Here's what it says. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke him up and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Okay, raise your hand if you've ever said that second half of that verse to God verbatim. Don't you care? Do you not care that we are perishing? God, don't you care about me? Don't you care about the storm I'm facing? Jesus, I thought that you cared. I've read all the things about you. I've read how loving you're supposed to be. I read how much you're supposed to care about people. But here I am. I'm drowning in this storm. The water's beating up against me. I'm scared to death. And you're asleep. You're nowhere to be found. The fishermen in the group, uh, they knew the signs of trouble on the Sea of Galilee. And uh, they were probably afraid that Jesus didn't really understand, really kind of underestimated the power of the storm and the danger that they were in. I can hear Peter now going, uh, Jesus, I don't know if you know this, uh, but yeah, there's a pretty serious storm out here right now. I know you're not a fisherman per se, uh, but this is pretty deadly and you need to do something about this right away. You know, hard times left these disciples cynical and for seemingly good reasons too. They think that they're the experts on the storm that they're in. And so they're informing Jesus about uh, how bad it is and just how troublesome it is that he's still sleeping while they're working as hard as they, as they, can, uh, as they can work to get the water out of the boat. Now, I used to mock the disciples. I used to make fun of them in, in this particular situation uh, because I thought, how could they be so upset, you know? Uh, they clearly make it. I know the end of the story. Uh, none of them perish in the storm. Uh, and uh, Jesus is right there. He has the power to do whatever he wants. All they have to do is kind of shake him awake and everything's going to be okay. But that was before my first Christmas. <laughs> that was when my life kind of consisted of a pretty easy problem for me to navigate and to solve, not really worry about too much. Uh, that was before being married and having kids and uh, kind of living uh, a few years of life. Now, <laughs> I empathize with the disciples. Now, I would ask the same question. In fact, I do ask the same question from time to time, if I'm honest with you. Don't you care? Jesus, don't you care that I'm about to die, that I'm about to drown in this storm, that you're right there and aren't doing anything about? I've experienced enough storms to feel compassion for the disciples because they think that they're going to die. They don't know how this thing is going to end. And so they have a right to be fearful, to be afraid. In September, we brought our uh, newborn baby, a two-month-old baby, uh, to his primary care doctor because he was just being kind of fussy. And uh, we thought we were going to go see him, get a prescription, and then be home by dinner. It didn't turn out that way. Uh, it turned out that our doctor sent us to the emergency room and that my son had some significant issues. We spent 51 days in the intensive care unit. Uh, 28 of those days, he was paralyzed and intubated with a breathing tube. He had three procedures to shrink a mass uh, in his uh, lymphatic system. He had one surgery, a tracheostomy, uh, to provide a stable airway. And then there were weeks of withdrawal from the meds that he was on to keep him comfortable during that time. 
And now I understand that there are other people, many other people, that are in far worse situations than I'm in. But this verse was on my mind often as I was praying over the bedside of my paralyzed son. Thinking about this section of scripture, reading through the Gospel of Mark, and even asking the question, Jesus, don't you care? <laughs> don't you care that we're perishing here in the PICU at Galasano Children's Hospital? why would you allow me to experience this storm? And I would even think, you must not understand. You must not understand how dangerous the situation is to Zeke, my son, and to the Hamlin family. Now, typically when a preacher preaches on this text, they're going to focus on verse 39 because verse 39 is where all the action is. This is kind of the crux of the story uh, for so many people. And uh, for some, rightfully so, because there's exciting things that happen uh, in this verse. Verse 39, directly after the disciples ask their pointed question of Jesus, Mark relays this in verse 39. He says, And he awoke, Jesus, and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. That's good. This is an amazing, amazing verse. It's provided hope for generations of believers who have struggled with the big storms of their life. But man, I'm here to tell you, if we land here on verse 39 and we forget to read the last two verses of this section of scripture, uh, we're going to miss the entire point of the passage, I believe. Because we might think if we land on verse 39 that the point of the story is to show you how Jesus will do things for you. That if you just say the right things or do the right things, that Jesus will uh, work on your behalf so that you'll never have to experience a storm. Or that he gets in your boat so that as you're going through the voyage of your life, uh, he's there at a moment's notice to, to stop anything uh, that's going to cause you a harm and provide you with smooth sailing with your life. But I don't think that that's what the text is about. Yes, it's true that we don't want to gloss over the truth uh, that his power is available and that he can speak a word to your storm, a word of peace, be still, and calm the storms in your life. But man, we risk believing that he's our cosmic light switch. If we read the passage and think that it's primarily about what God can do for us. No, we need to read on the last two verses of our section. Verses 40 and 41, he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? If you're currently experiencing a storm in your life, don't you kind of want to reply to Jesus' first question? He first asks, Why are you so afraid? And then he says, Have you still no faith? And if you're experiencing a storm in your life right now, you might want to answer Jesus and say, uh, well, it's because I'm in a boat in the middle of a lake. There's a storm. It's dark. The waves are crashing over me and I am about to die. That's why I'm afraid, Jesus. But the reality is uh, that the two questions that Jesus asks, they go hand in hand. They're not mean, meant to be separated from each other. So he asks, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith. And what he wants to know by asking these two questions together, after all they've been through, after all they've seen Jesus do and all that they know him to be, are they letting hard times get them cynical? 
Are they allowing the hard times of their lives uh, to, to allow the faith that they once had to be pushed out of their story and cynicism to rise up? It's important to notice that their first response to the storm, when the storm hit, was to try to handle it on their own. It wasn't until the waves were crashing over the bow of the boat and the wind was too much to bear that they then woke Jesus up. But they didn't wake Jesus up to ask him to do something. They woke Jesus up to complain to him, to complain, why don't you do anything about this? (laughs) Don't you care? Don't you care about the storm that we're facing? It'd be one thing if the disciples said, Jesus, I just want you to know, like, we are about to die. And if you could just do something about this storm, that would be great. Now, that would be one thing. But they woke him up, and Mark records as a firsthand witness here, hey, don't you care? And if I'm honest with myself and I'm honest with you, sometimes that's my response, too, to the storms of life. I'm kind of going through, and things are smooth sailing for the most part, and then all of a sudden, a storm will hit. And instead of allowing it to drop me to my knees in worship and in prayer to God, I get cynical. My heart gets hardened and I say, don't you care about me, God? It's like you're my light switch and you're supposed to be there so that I don't experience any storms in my life. But that's not faith rising up. And that's why Jesus asks, have you still no faith? Their response isn't faith. It doesn't take faith and it doesn't show faith to try to handle a storm on your own and then complain that Jesus isn't doing something about it when your own efforts fail. Now, here's what faith in a situation like that looks like. It reminds you that Jesus willingly enters the storm with you, that he's in the boat with you as you're facing the storm. He's not on the shore saying, good luck with all of that. I'm the king of the universe. I came to this earth for your sin, so I'm going to avoid the storm, and I'm just going to say, hey, good luck. (laughs) Good luck with what you're facing. No, he's in the boat with us. And so here's what I want you to know, that whatever situation you're facing right now, uh, here's the truth, that faith recognizes Jesus's presence in the boat, whether the storm is calmed or not. Faith recognizes Jesus' presence in your boat, whether the storm is calmed or not. And notice when Jesus speaks a word of peace over the storm. He says, peace be still, even though the disciples don't get it right. (laughs) He's not waiting for you to be perfect in order for your storm to be calmed and to speak peace into it. But he is interested in your faith rising up so that his presence is what you seek before anything else. Friends, his presence is with you, and it's enough to navigate whatever hard times you're facing right now. I mentioned earlier uh, that it's encouraging, uh, that as encouraging as this text is to us, it would be wrong to read it and then to think that it's primarily about us. It may be encouraging to us, but it is not primarily about us. So here's the deal. If it's not a story about, uh, at its root, about how Jesus can get me through tough times, then what is the story about? (laughs) Am I missing something? Now, even if you're not familiar with Jesus or you're not an insider to Christianity, there may be elements of this story that are familiar to you. The original hearers would have spotted it right away. Uh, But we who aren't fluent in Greek or in Hebrew, uh, we might have a tougher time seeing the parallels that Mark is drawing to another biblical story. 
And that's the story of Jonah. Both Jesus and Jonah are in a boat and both boats are overtaken by a storm. The descriptions of the storm are almost identical in the original languages. So both Jesus and Jonah are asleep. In both stories, the sailors wake up the sleepers and they say, hey, we're gonna die. <laughs> and in both cases, there's this miraculous divine intervention uh, and the sea was suddenly calmed. On top of that, in both stories, the sailors then become even more terrified after the storm is calmed uh, than before they were. But there is one huge difference. And Jonah says it this way in chapter 1, verse 12. It says this, He said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. So Jonah gets thrown into the sea he sinks to the bottom of the abyss, so a whale <laughs> uh, you know, swallows him, and then the storm is calmed. But in Matthew, Jesus says, one greater than Jonah is here, and he's referring to himself. So he's the true Jonah who will calm all the storms and will speak peace to every wind and every wave that you'll ever face. But those storms don't come up because of him. They come up because of us because of the sin that we face. And even though he was sinless, he willingly went to a cross to experience the abyss of our sin so that our storms could be calmed. Every wind, every wave, every ordeal that you'll ever face can be calmed at the foot of Jesus. And I like how Tim Keller says it. I think he says it best in his book, King's Cross, the story of the world and the life of Jesus. I'm going to read this quote from that book. It says this, Jesus was thrown into the only storm that can actually sink us, the storm of eternal justice, of what we owe for our wrongdoing. That storm wasn't calmed, not until it swept him away. If the sight of Jesus bowing his head into that ultimate storm is burned into the core of your being, you will never say, God, don't you care? <laughs> And if you know that he did not abandon you in that ultimate storm, what makes you think he would abandon you in much smaller storms you're experiencing right now? And that, that quote gets me every time. Because Jesus has spoken peace, be still, over the most challenging storm that you'll ever face. And as a result, that peace is available for every area of your life if you'll allow it to be broken into your world. Now, this is what the passage requires of us. Not how it's about us, but rather now that we see the gospel clearly in it, how am I going to respond to that truth? So our application question this week goes like this. In what area of my life will I allow the peace of Christ to rule? In what area of my life will I allow the peace of Christ to rule? Where do I need Jesus to speak peace, be still, to the storm that I'm facing. Wherever you need peace today, Christmas is a great time to reflect on the Prince of Peace who willingly entered our chaos and provided a way for our storm to be stilled. And if you're watching live, you're experiencing a storm and you need prayer, you can click that prayer button. One of our hosts will connect with you in a private chat box. If you're watching or listening to this later on, we'd love to know how we can pray for you and uh, continue to work with you through the midst of your hard time. 
You can email connect at Centerway Church on our website and uh, we'll get connected with you. I want to pray for you because I know that this season can be exciting. It can be uh, a, a really thrilling time, the thrill of hope entering our world, but it can also be a time of pain a time of heartache where hard times seem to uh, make us cynical, even though we're trying our hardest not to be. So let's pray that that Prince of Peace will break into our situations. Heavenly Father, I thank you so, so much that Jesus entered our chaos, that got into the boat with us and spoke a word of peace to our storms. I thank you, Lord God, uh, that you didn't leave us as orphans. You didn't leave us to fend for ourselves but you adopted us as sons and daughters so that we could have a right relationship with the Father, that we can enter into your presence and we can find the peace that we're looking for. I pray that over each and every person hearing my voice today, God, that the Prince of Peace would break into our worlds and allow your presence to calm whatever storm we're experiencing, Lord. Forgive us for those moments where uh, we th we've used you like we use a light switch, not thinking about how amazing and miraculous uh, just the gift of life is to us. But Lord, expecting you to make our life easy or make our life comfortable and then becoming cynical when you don't, when you don't allow it. May we remember, Lord God, that even if you don't calm all our storms, that you're in the midst of that. You've chosen to walk with us in the midst of our storms. And I pray that we would leverage that for your glory and for your honor. Our lives are yours. Do with them what you will, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we cannot wait to hear how the Prince of Peace brings you peace this holiday season. And we're really looking forward to next week as we continue to celebrate the birth of Jesus. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks. Hi, I'm Meredith. So glad you could gather with us today. If you're with us live, we want to now invite you to join us on Instagram or Facebook as a way to respond and worship through song. Singing is just one of many ways to worship, and we encourage you to spend time applying the text as another way to worship. Spend time in God's presence, allowing the peace of Christ to rule in every area of your life this week. In the meantime, we can't wait to sing together if you're with us live. If you're watching or listening to the message later, you can find the songs we're about to sing on Spotify, search Centerway Church, and look for our Disrupted playlist. For those gathered on the online platform, we'll see you live on Instagram or Facebook in a couple of minutes.